If I asked you right now to list all of the subscriptions you pay for, would you be able to? I really thought my answer to that question would be a resounding yes. But with the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find some sneaky ones I must have forgotten to cancel before the free trial ran out. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting slash kids subscriptions, though they all seem like really small amounts, when pulled together, that's a pretty big chunk of your spending money out the door. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over $500 million in cancel subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Are you looking to make better, healthier choices this year? Then let me help you out by introducing you to ButcherBox. ButcherBox not only helps you treat yourself to more delicious and wholesome meals, but it takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat with humanely raised beef, pork, chicken, seafood, and more that's delivered straight to your door. ButcherBox partners with folks who share their high standards and truly care about how animals are raised. Plus, they're B Corps certified, which makes me feel even better about my decision to be part of the ButcherBox community. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus get, 20, plus get $20 off your first order. That's right. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free offer and get $20 off. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide. Scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird morning. Cup of murder. Two lives vastly different in almost every way possible can sometimes mix and have deadly consequences. On March 16, 1987, a trial began involving one man and his four friends who had lives that were completely different than the life of the woman who they, on a whim, decided to brutally rape and murder. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Anita Lorraine Lynch, born November 2nd, 1959, met the man of her dreams, John Cobby, while still studying for her nursing degree. Anita was a beautiful woman, having won the Miss Western Suburbs pageant in 1979. And the pair, who married on March 27, 1982, began what was supposed to be a picture-perfect life together. Unfortunately, the marriage wasn't built to last, and by 1986, the once-happy couple was in the middle of a separation, and Anita had to move back in with her parents in Blacktown, New South Wales. Now, while Anita and John worked on their marriage, with John later saying that they had plans to reconcile, a different John, John Raymond Travers, was about to cross paths with Anita in the most dangerous way possible. John Travers, born February 27, 1967, as the oldest of eight children, was raised in an area called Mount Druitt, 
and from the age of just 13 and 14, became dependent on both drugs, marijuana to be exact, and alcohol. With a reputation for extreme violence, always known to be carrying a knife, John began a series of crimes in his teens that earned him quite the relationship with the local authorities. Crimes he committed to try and help his family make ends meet when his father left home in 1981. Clearly a troubled kid from the very beginning, John was known as a zoo sadist and frequently showed both cruelty to small animals and was known to have sexual intercourse with them prior to slitting their throats. He was expelled from school during year 10, was completely beyond his mother's control, and was eventually committed to a juvenile detention center called Boys Town before living out on his own and learning his preference for claiming unemployment benefits rather than work a steady job. On February 2nd, 1986, Anita Lorraine finished her work at the Sydney Hospital at around 3 p.m. and met with some friends for dinner in nearby Redfern. When the night was over, the young woman caught the train from Central Railway and headed back to her parents' home in Blacktown. After exiting the train, however, a series of small changes in her day-to-day routine took place that would end up costing Anita her life. Normally, Anita called over to her father to pick her up from the station but on this particular evening, opted to walk home after finding the phone to be out of order and a lack of taxis available at the taxi rink. It was around 10 p.m. when Anita began her walk along Newton Road. That's when, out of nowhere, a car containing five male strangers pulled up beside her, two men jumped out, and in full view of a brother and sister who happened to still be at the station, dragged Anita into the back before speeding off. As the brother, just 13 years old at the time, attempted to give chase, eventually losing them entirely, the men inside of the car ordered a kicking and screaming Anita to strip off her clothing. She refused and begged her abductors to let her go, telling them that she was a married woman and was menstruating, hoping that would get them to give up on whatever they had planned. Their response was to punch the non-compliant captive, drive off to a service station, and purchase fuel using Anita's stolen purse. She was then driven down Reen Road and off to a secluded paddock, where she was held down, raped, and beaten by each of her attackers. They eventually dragged her along the barbed wire fence, and after hours of physical and sexual abuse, the leader of the group, John Raymond Travers, took out the knife that he was known to carry and slit her throat to avoid any future identification. While 26-year-old Anita Cobby was suffering from a literal nightmare, the young brother and sister had rushed off to report what they had seen to the police. A few moments after the call was placed, the neighbor, or the sibling's brother depending on the report, came home and was told about the abduction. Wanting to help, the young man got into his car and, along with the boy who tried to chase down the car, drove around to search for the white H.T. Holden Kingswood used during the abduction having no clue that the car was actually stolen. They eventually drove down Rain Road Prospect and found the now-empty White Holden. However, after searching the car and the adjacent paddock and finding nothing, they drove off suspecting that this must just be a different vehicle. In reality, the attackers were hidden within the long grass. By the time morning came, Grace and Gary Lynch, Anita's parents, woke and assumed that their daughter had decided to stay the night with friends. However, when co-worker Sister Jolie called over to the Lynches' home looking for Anita, claiming she never showed up for work, the Lynches knew something was terribly wrong. 
After a few frantic phone calls to family, Gary made his way to Blacktown Police Station to report Anita missing. Despite the fact that she had not been missing for the full 24 hours, the constable on staff at the time decided to file the report and take Gary's description of his daughter. As people started to gather at the Lynch home, with John Cobby calling to receive the devastating news, Detective Sergeant Graham Rosetta and Senior Constable Hugh Dundas, who happened to be nearby when Gary made his report, arrived at a back road where three uniformed police officers were waiting for them. According to the officers, a young woman had just been found dead in a paddock, and, though she did not have any identification, they believed the body belonged to a woman between the ages of 18 and 30, who suffered from incredible blood loss. The only piece of clothing remaining on her body was her Russian wedding ring. When Rosetta and Dundas heard the debriefing, they knew with almost complete certainty that the unidentified woman left lying face down in the paddock was the same beauty queen whose worried father had just reported her missing back at the station. One of the detectives took the bloodied wedding ring off of her finger and placed it in an evidence bag. When he presented it to the Lynch family, her sister broke down and said that the ring looked like the one that her sister wore. There was no doubt that the vibrant, intelligent, and caring woman that they had known and the brutalized victim lying abandoned in the paddock were one in the same. A murder that has long since been remembered as one of the most horrifying and violent crimes ever perpetrated in Australia. A violent crime that, when the news broke, saw the entirety of Australia united in their outrage and in their desperation to find the men responsible for the murder. With the media in a complete frenzy, on February 9th, 1986, exactly one week after Anita's murder, the police invited the press and staged a reenactment of the crime, hoping something said would jog a memory that could lead to an arrest. Not long after, the police received a phone call from the family of the teens who witnessed Anita's abduction. They wanted to follow up on the call that they had made the night of the murder, and police, for the first time, connected the report made with Anita's abduction. As the timeline of events started to become a little more clear, petitions about the death penalty signed by tens of thousands of people, and with the New South Wales government offering a $50,000 reward for information, Anita Cobby's funeral was held on February 10th, and the family, with still very little in the way of answers, laid their daughter, sister, and wife to rest. Then, a break in the case finally came. Following a tip-off from a police informant about a stolen vehicle, police were able to track down John Travers, Michael Murdoch, and brothers Les, Gary, and Michael Murphy, all of whom had a history of criminal activity, violence, rough upbringings, and had been friends with John for most of their childhoods. Sure, they stole the vehicle, but suspicious that they had something to do with the murder, police arrested all five men on February 21st and began questioning them about the crime. While in custody, John made a request to call a friend so she could bring him some cigarettes. Not seeing an issue, police allowed him this simple request. However, they offered to call the female friend for him, and when they did, the terrified woman agreed to help with the investigation against John Travers. One meeting with Mrs. X not only gave police John's entire backstory, but when she was allowed to speak with John, he turned around and confessed to murdering Anita Cobby. Mrs. X was sent back in a second time with a recording device, and police got all of the information they needed to change the men's charges from simple car theft to first-degree murder. At his trial, which began on March 16, 1987, John Travers pleaded guilty to the murder, and by June 10, 1987, 
All five men were found guilty of various charges. Six days later, all were sentenced by the Supreme Court of New South Wales to life imprisonment with absolutely no chance of release, with Justice Maxwell saying that this was, quote, one of the most horrifying physical and sexual assaults. This was a calculated killing done in cold blood. The executive should grant the same degree of mercy they bestowed on their victim. As of 2019, John Travers remains behind bars. Michael Murphy died in February of 2019 at the age of 66. And as of 2020, Gary and Les Murphy remained behind bars at the same maximum security center. In the aftermath of their tragedy, Anita's parents became the founders of the Victims of Homicide Support Group and continued to help families of victims daily while campaigning for tougher sentencing and truth in sentencing laws. All in honor of their daughter, Anita Cobby. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on March 17th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.